Blog Talk Radio. To all my people in the struggle, you think God's forgotten about you. Here's some pain medicine. Let's go! In your car, you at the house, on your job, be encouraged, boo. Come on!
with God. My first book, Be Made Whole, was under my birth name, Kathy Armstrong. This book is under my spiritual name, Ariel Armstrong. It says, they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God, Psalm 78, 8. They want to see God's power, God's might. They want to see God. When I first heard this quote from Tim's story, I knew it had to be in the foreword of this book. Reverend Story's influential ministry extends to stars in Hollywood, athletes around the world, and other icons young people follow, listen, and admire. This is a generation that is crying out for reality. They have seen the hypocrisy of religion. They have been sold a bill of goods concerning the American dream, and now they find themselves unable to find a job, affordable health insurance, and the, in the middle of a global economic collapse. They have seen divorce rates soar, unwanted pregnancies, reach epidemic proportions, suicide scourge, the society we live in, depression cripple able men and women, and joblessness lead to hopelessness. They live in a culture looking for love in all the wrong places where anything goes and void of any answers leading to true happiness. Where is the real deal? is the question of the hour, followed closely by, does anyone really love me? And if someone does, how do I know they care? So many questions and so much uncertainty. While they want God, they don't know if he really exists. I am the pen through which the Lord has chosen to communicate the following saga. Holding me with his skillful hand, he is prompting me to continue documenting the adventure he is leading me through. Now, this book is, will have, is an adventure of great proportion in my life. It was when I met my mentor, Apostle S.C. Mathis, and the significance of that because I had been running away from the Lord and I was just giving up because it was just, too hard, and God sent her to really minister to me and also to ask me a question, you know, would I follow the Lord, and it's not about you. That's how the title of the book came about, because the Lord was telling me it was not about me. It's about the people that he wants to reach through me, the people he wants to reach through you. So with that, in the last couple of minutes, I want to just read a couple of, um, like maybe a chapter from one of the excerpts so you can see how just my testimony, it says that he overcomes or we overcome with the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. God has used testimony to reach people groups who would not necessarily maybe even go to church or go inside uh, a synagogue, but they'll pick up a book, they'll go to a movie or a play. God's very creative. After all, he created the universe. Now, this was after my encounter in Denver 
and I knew that I had to be obedient and get the book, Be Made Whole, published. I remember coming home and working and rewriting on the revisions. One day I felt the Lord impress upon me to publish the book. I found Zulon Press, a company which offers its expertise to aspiring Christian writers, and I inquired about the cost of publishing Be Made Whole. The package that fit my needs would cost $1,800. Now, while I had the money, it was money that I used to live on when I didn't work. I tried to reason with the Lord. You know, this is the money that I need to live. His response was a deafening silence, nothing. The Lord wasn't speaking. I knew God was asking me to trust him with my finance. I had to make a decision. I decided to trust God. I called up the publishing company, bought the $1,800 package, and next thing you know, a few weeks later, I got a telephone call from a company that I had some contract work that I had done for them. We've been trying to get in touch with you, Cheryl said. Since I was busy with family matters, I hadn't taken the time to call them back, thinking that they were just simply looking to book me for the next year. I know, Cheryl. I'm sorry I didn't get back with you. I apologize. Well, the reason I'm calling you is that our bookkeeper says that for the job you did for us, the Wilson Group, well, according to our book, we didn't pay you. Yes, I got paid for that assignment, I tried to reassure. It doesn't show up on the books, and so therefore we haven't paid you. Yes, I did get paid for this, I told her again. And it hit me. God had wiped it off their books. I know what you're saying, but we have to pay you. It's not on our books, and that's it. We simply can't have this discrepancy in our books. Okay, if you say so, I said, finally realizing that the Lord may have been behind this apparent accounting error. Do you mind me asking how much it is? $1,800. The exact amount that I had spent to publish the book. God wasn't going to let me down. And he wanted to show himself in such a way that I knew it was him. Now, that's just one part of the book. Another part that I want to read because it has something to do with what is going on in the news. Because just recently... I saw a gentleman on the news in Great Britain that I hadn't seen for, oh, about 18 years. And this was about um, my time at the economic, um, excuse me, at the European Union headquarters. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message, Galatians 2.2. I was traveling with students from the United States as part of a presidential leadership delegation. We were scheduled to visit London, Paris, and Brussels. The previous day we had been in London, we went on the London Eye and visited the Globe Theater. The kids even debated with students from Eton College. We were now on our way to Belgium via the channel. We were headed to the capital of Belgium, Brussels, and it was 
like Tuesday, just like in the movie. Now, this particular morning, I had informed my 12 charges that they wanted to be known as the yummy chocolate. From the beginning of our educational tour, they had decided to come up with a creative name. And just skipping over because there's a times with um, their different names. But it says, we had uh, visited the Grand Plaza, which is located in downtown Brussels, walked as a group to a chocolate factory, secured souvenirs, and had lunch at a local cafe. Our seats were in the group gallery seating, way up in the nosebleed section. Finally, we made our way up to the top gallery. Wow, this is so cool, I said. I went out of breath. The students agreed as they plopped into their seats. It was now time to see the European Parliament, the only elected body within the European Union. It has 736 elected members representing 500 million people. Not only is Brussels the capital of Belgium, but it's also the unofficial capital and headquarters of the Economic Union. It was here where we were going to listen and see this legislative body. Now, Brussels is the epicenter of the economic union where major decisions that affect the world are made. I want to stay open to what the Lord would have me to do. This is no coincidence that I'm here, I thought to myself. The question was, what was I to do? I knew that if nothing else, I could pray. Now, we listened as a member of parliament for Great Britain rose to speak angry that the governing body was even considering accepting Turkey as part of the EU. He told of the influence of radicalized Muslims and the rise of anti-Semitism in England. As we were listening them bicker back and forth about whether it was wise to have Turkey in the EU, and while I was sitting there, the gentleman from Great Britain rose up again. I knew that what he was saying was opposed to the convictions of most members present. Then the Lord spoke to me. I want you to speak to this man, this leader, encourage him. Let him know that what he is telling them is the truth. Oh, what, Lord? You want me to talk to him? How is that possible? I'm way up here and he's way down there and I'm with kids and he's a world leader. I tried to convince the Lord. But nevertheless, if you make a way, I'll do what you want me to do. After the discussion was over, we stayed for another 15 minutes. Our schedule was tied in with the other groups within our delegation. We had to leave when it was time because the next thing we were doing was to visit Breedall, the concentration camp outside of Brussels. Let's go, yummy chocolates, I said. I led my group down the hall. I looked to the other side of the hallway and saw a group of people making their way toward us. I realized that the oncoming entourage included the world leader that God wanted me to speak to. Before I could try to figure out the probability of this just happening and the enormity of what I was to say and do, I blurted out, excuse me, sir, can I talk to you? Bodyguards gathered around him as I approached. He looked at his security and nodded as if to tell them it's okay. Sure, he said, and then stopped to see what I had to say. He waved off most of his entourage, motioning them to go ahead of him to the motorcade. 
just one person staying behind him to stand guard a cordial distance away from us. Go ahead of me and get on the bus. I'll be there in a minute, I told my students as I waved for them to go in front of me. Nervously, I walked side by side down the stairs with this world leader, just wanting to honor my promise to the Lord. I want to tell you that what you said in there was the truth. God wanted me to tell you this to encourage you in your stand. He was pleasantly surprised at what I told him. He then did something I didn't expect. He began to explain to me what was really going on in Great Britain as if I was a member of parliament. Tell me about incidents with skinheads and the rise of anti-Semitism. Thank you. Thank you, he said as we were about to part. You're welcome. I only told you what God wanted you to know. Both of us had stopped walking or now facing each other. We shook hands. He then walked over to, with his bodyguard to his limousine while I walked toward my kids in the motor coach. When I reflect on the incident, it's incredible. Me, standing there, talking to a world leader in Brussels. Years later, I came across the following just today, a poll revealed that in Brussels, the capital of the economic union, half of the Islamic youth are anti-Semitic. It is dangerous for Jews to walk the streets in Brussels. If you wear a cross or a kippah in certain urban areas in Europe today, you risk being beaten up in the capital of my own country, Amsterdam, a trans driver was forced to remove his crucifix from sight while his Muslim colleagues are allowed to wear the veil. This is just two chapters in the book. I have chapters where God um, used me in my town for revival that he had. It's amazing what God has had me go through and continue to go through. And revisiting these incidents helps me to know that I'm on the right path, that I'm doing what he calls me to do. And sometimes it may not be politically correct, but God is not a political God. He speaks the truth, and the truth shall set us free. Until next time, just be blessed and know that Jesus loves you, the Holy Spirit is with you, and Father God created you wonderfully and amazingly in his image. So until next time. Be blessed. This is Ariel signing out. God bless you.